everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney, over there, Steve. Howdy, partner. Howdy, partner. And today we are talking Sisters of the Wild Sage by Nicole Gibbons-Kurtz, uh, an anthology of weird westerns. Um, I Honestly, we read this book. I'm not sure. You know, I hadn't heard on it. I was definitely sleeping on it. I think a lot of people running in our particular circles have been sleeping on it because it's really a quality collection of stories. Are you saying that people in our circle are shy away from quality collections of stories? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that if you haven't read it, you're sleeping. You're sleeping on it, and you shouldn't be. Um. I will I will warn this this kind of caveat is that Kurtz kind of gives a broad definition of the term western uh a more inclusive idea of western as well. Um it's where, the setting. Right. The setting is predominantly the southwest. However, the time periods jump to uh, 1800s, early 1900s, modern day, all the way into an unknown, far-flung, post-apocalyptic future. Yeah, that was a um, surprise because that story was left out of the table of contents, and it had and it was contained um, in another collection we had reviewed, um, Sycorax's Daughters. Nope, that was that was Rise. Though there yeah, were that- there were two. In a far-flung post-apocalyptic future. There was the one uh, about the water. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Plurophile. Right. Yeah, that was um, that was I, cool. That was, that was kind of like um, Fallout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was uh, how Fallout should have happened. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Fallout, a little bit of Mad Max, a little yeah, bit of, a little um, bit of Gamma World, a little bit of Gamma World. So of course, you know, if you got a little bit of Gamma World in there, it's kind of Conan-y. Uh, a lot of these stories uh, fall more under you know, the the idea of weird that you would see in the Twilight Zone or uh, the old EC Tales from the Crypt sort of thing, uh, where there's like horrible things happen and there's kind of a morale moral to the story. Yeah. Um, a lot of these didn't go where I ex- anticipated them going, which is really good because like I've said it before, you read a lot of these, uh, weird tales and you kind of get jaded. Right. And and you, you get a patterns and predictability. And I'm not saying that um, she doesn't have her own patterns because mm-hmm. she does. Uh, they're just not um, the same as most of the stuff I, I read, which is f- fucking refreshing, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah, there's definitely no the eye, the eye, the window, the wall. Right. Until sweat drops off my shoggoth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. If you're looking for Lovecraftian horror, go get something else because it, right. it ain't in here. Um, you're, you're right. This is more like um, a twist 
kind of weird tale mm-hmm. or or yeah like twilight zone kind of thing or just like you know a supernatural or weird element mm-hmm. um in an otherwise mundane setting right right very uh very much she's also has uh a lot of abrupt endings yes and and, uh, and they work you know a lot it's it's really hard for for a writer speaking as somebody who has written um you know the abrupt ending just doesn't always seem to work uh kurtz makes it work every time it appears uh yeah she ends her her stories yeah um unlike other authors who don't <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I imagine the ending, not the conclusion, but the ending of a story is the hardest because you're trying to, like, um, you know, tie up loose ends and actually have the story end. Right. And I I, I don't see a lot of uh, short stories, especially, that, that have that kind of ending. And I'm not saying a pat ending because um, there's definitely a few of these stories where it's like a slice in the life of – as a matter of fact, I'd say with one or two exceptions, um, a lot of these stories are a slice in the life of. Right. And you could imagine uh, the characters going on and, and doing other stuff and you can write all the fan fiction you want. Or um, um, she has left herself the opening to follow up on any of these stories for more weirdness. Right. Although some of them have have the type of ending where it's like, boom, that's it, that's that's all you're getting. Right. No, definitely. Um, Unhinged was like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely one that uh, its its we're, ending has some finality to it. We're trying not to spoil, right? Um, because this is a relatively new book. Um, so one thing I, I admire about just her writing in general is um, she has a very easy diversity about the, the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not she, – she's not um, – what's the best way to put this? There's people of all walks of life. Right. Um, and they're in the stories and they belong in these stories. And it's not like all the black people are good and all the white people are bad. And, oh, the poor Indians. It's not like that at all. Um, you have uh, people from all ethnicities who are good, who are bad. Um, you know, a lot of the, the protagonists are all people of color. Um, but, you know, I... I, I, I get that, I, and there's it's not a complaint. Um, but there's also villains who are people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's villains who are white. Uh, so you, you get you get an easy diversity, not like easy like like um, not a lot of effort, mm-hmm. but easy as in it, it feels natural, feels organic. Right, right. It's uh, like looking out your window. Or yes, in, in this case, looking out the window of the somebody Mexico. lives in New Mexico, right, right, and and that li- that lends a a vitality 
into the worlds of these various stories. Yeah, and and you know, a lot of them, I think, kind of are tales um, centered around Wild Sage, the fictional town in um, in New Mexico in the desert, right. on top um, of the mesa. Yeah, so because uh, that place comes up a lot, especially in the old uh, turn of the century old west pieces Mm -hmm. you have a lot of that well it's one of those things you can create your own town out out that way and have it remote because there's a lot of wide open space out there where you can have a remote town right that that may or may not have existed right and it doesn't (laughs) but you also get you also get like uh, phoenix shows up Yep. Um, in a couple stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I'm, I, the way I pictured it were they were all in this, set in the same universe in different times. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you definitely could tell that they, there was a continuity about them. Even though there was nothing self-referential about it, um, right. there just seemed to be a, a, a continuity as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, you kind of expect that yeah it's all happens in the, in the same in the same universe in different time periods that's one of the interesting things about the book is how we jump through time uh throughout the stories is we'll be in the late 1800s and then we'll be in 1901 and we'll be in 1911 and we'll be far in the future and then we're back to the 1800s right or in in one particular story co we're or even earlier than that. Right. Yes. Co was a, a good one. I, I like mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. That had, that had a very, uh, mythological flavor to it. Yeah. That was definitely, it was almost a, um, like a fable mm-hmm. or, or a fairy tale kind of yeah. deal. Yep. Yeah. So you get, you get lots of variety of, with, even within the genre of quote unquote weird, you get you get the full spectrum of everything that it could be. You kind of get this prehistory thing of your Robert Howards or your Clark Ashton Smiths, and then you get something that's a little more modern, um, and then something that's very modern that's like occurring possibly right now. Yeah, well, there's like yeah, like you said, there's um, the story of the. Uh, pluviophile, I think mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce it, um, is a science fiction story, really. Right. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's got that that post-apocalypse setting. You know, global warming did its thing, and we're yep. fucked. Yep. <laughs> but but after that, after the setting being fantastic. It isn't a story that has a lot of, of supernatural elements to it. No. It wants to, and it pu- pulls you down that path that perhaps it is. But even that, um, it, it can go either you know, sci-fi, supernatural, or spiritual, depending right. on, on how you look at it. Well, I mean, she even says in that story, you know, science explained away the drought. Religion did, too. And so, you know, it's like one of those things. It could go either way. 
Uh, and a lot of times when you do have a supernatural element in one one of her stories in this collection, it is uh, one of the things that we really enjoy is treated very matter-of-factly. Uh, someone has a uh, ventriloquist doll that's actually possessed by a nature spirit. Perfectly normal. Right. Uh, conjuring wind. Perfectly <laughs> normal. Right. Well, that one's kind of, it's perfectly normal to, because the point of view is from the person who do, who's doing it. Right. But, you know, like the people she encounters, you know, the, the, the antagonist of that story, you know, says she's a witch and blah, blah, blah. Right. And the sh- sheriff just doesn't believe it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, to her, it's just, it's part of, part of the, her just you know her what she can do it's part of her natural way same thing with um the title story sisters of the wild sage yes um which was a, a really good story mm-hmm. um where you had that was um, the that was really the capstone of this entire collection and it's probably one of my favorites in the book yeah so i mean you have like super uh, uh a, a woman with supernatural powers and and her sister treats it like, you know, it, it ain't no thing. <laughs> right. But they, but she also alludes to both sisters having supernatural powers being kind of a, a Taji two of, of magical ability where the sister Luna creates life and the other sister brings death. Right. Well, she can't miss. Right. And she never misses. Right. And that's like, you know, you're either Green Arrow or the Saint of Killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I kind of I like that I that, that idea of 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 life and death, you know, them kind of like that being part of part of their closeness. Yeah, but it's it's it hard to say whether or not that her ability of never missing was just because she was damn good or if it was like a supernatural thing. Cause that's not really, you know, it doesn't come up, you know, she just says, I have a talent too. I never miss. Right. You know, I mean, that could just be her like being grim and foreboding in the face of, of uh, impossible odds and a, and a slight bit arrogant and cocky. Yeah. And, and, Another thing, but she's telling the truth. Well, but it's another thing I like about uh, this collection as a whole are they're not cookie cutter characters. No. You don't have the same personality um, of every of every uh, protagonist in this story in these stories. Right. And they're all different people um, with different motivations, and you know, not all of them are one hundred percent. Um, pure someone yeah someone you would root for <laughs> no there's definitely a couple of, of characters in there who you're just kind of like they're just not the worst of of the lineup in that story <laughs> no no um one of my other particular favorites was was uh traitor and that yeah. was that was the most tales from the crypt kind of story and I, I, I really kind of like those stories of uh, a little bit of cosmic justice. Yeah. And, and that's really all about all I can say about the story without spoiling it. Spoilers. 
It's definitely yeah one of those um, comeuppance kind of things. Yeah. Uh, similar to, um, I was gonna I was gonna say, in, in tone and and consequence as opposed to subject matter, um, the 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 tone the tomb by Lovecraft where you know the guy gets buried with the coffins that he was shortchanging people on. Yes. Kind of, yeah, like very Tales from the Cryptish. Ghoulishly um, um, just desserts. Right, and and it's it's a just desserts that's, you know, has a, has a grim sense of humor to it. Right. You, I mean, that one definitely could have come directly from the pages of an EC comic. Yes. As they always say, let the buyer beware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that one's great because, I mean, not to go too much into it, but it does play upon... Um, some some Native American stereotypes, mm-hmm. but just enough so that you reading it can see where it's going, right. <laughs> and you're you're like you know it, it's actually the one story that went where I thought it was going to be going. Mm-hmm. But that 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 did not detract from it at all. No, not at all. Because, I mean, cause, because well, it's the same thing when you're watching Tales from the Crypt or, or reading those old comics. You know where it's going. You know there's going to be a, that like horrible, horrible comeuppance, and you're just like waiting for it. That's part of the pleasure of 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 that kind of a story. Absolutely. You want you want those people to get what they deserve. Yes, you do, and you. It's it's like even. Even in like slasher films and and things of that nature, um, you know you don't really want any of these characters to survive. You know, even though you know at least one will. Oh, it depends but, on the film, but yeah, yeah. But but a lot of times they set it up like that. Um, yeah, I, like um, the remake of Dawn of the Dead is a perfect example when they because it turns out that with the exception of the two main characters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ving Ramos, and I forgot what the actress's name was, who was the lead. Uh, anyway, aside from them, everybody that was trapped in that mall was a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you couldn't wait <laughs> for them to be eaten by zombies. <laughs> right. Or or the house in uh, Bird Box, halfway through where everybody gets together. Right, because, yeah, they're all assholes. Right. Especially John Malkovich. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, it's a good point where you definitely have a clear sense of morality in a lot of these stories. Mm -hmm. Um, which, Which... Sometimes you read um, weird westerns, weird tales, and you have like um, gray areas, moral ambiguity. Ambiguity. I can speak English. Um, and Mostly. I don't. Sometimes. <laughs> 
Except for when the, the French pops in. Um, but with with uh, with with this, you, you definitely have a sense of of right and wrong, and and who is, you know, in the right mostly. Right, and 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 it's like a lot of your your classic western. Uh, we kind of brought these up when we were discussing Yo Jimbo and the old John Ford aesthetic of the white hat and the black hat. Right, and, and a lot of these characters. Yes, they kind of operate on a spectrum, and some of them might be wearing gray hats. But, you know, by and large, you know who's on... You, yeah, you know who is kind of in the right in any yeah. given situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's, you know, um, Old West justice right, or if it's actually, you know, some type of universally morally right. You, you you get the the feeling of who that is and that's kind of something that uh, that you kind of need every once in a while and it is kind of refreshing particularly in the modern era where where you need something where right and wrong is kind of like you know more clearly defined you you know you need a light side and you need a dark side and you need you know something in the middle it doesn't have rather, to be rather than in, everything being like the, the shade of lead. Yes, it doesn't have to be everything. I mean, yes, there are there are stories and books where you have um, people who are morally gray, and and you know the point of the book is you know to make you think about your own actions and blah blah blah. And I get it, and it's kind of been done a lot. Mm-hmm. And it, the having a a um, an author take a moral stance, I guess. Um, well, that just sounds lame. That sounds like no. something like Vox yeah. Day, That's... you know? Because because like you have like shit like that where yeah, you ha- they're taking a moral stance, but the moral is wrong. Right. Well, you know, you can't really even say that the this book is the 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 author taking a moral stance. Because it's not preachy. A lot of times when an author uh, takes a stance and is trying to express that stance through their writing, it does get a little preachy. Yeah. Um, and you see that a lot more in um, you know folks with an incorrect stance, like the aforementioned nameless one. But there are some folks that are also on the the right side of it who can get a little preachy as as they're writing their characters. No, it's it's you know it's funny because there are definitely conservative authors who have who at one point in their careers, Chuck Dixon had the um, ability to tell a story um, without sounding like a raving lunatic. Right. Um, you know, I, I, and Chuck Dixon comes to mind because I've read a ton of Chuck Dixon Batman stuff in right. the 80s. And didn't he really, also didn't he also write uh, Birds of Prey? Yeah, Birds days? of Prey, Nightwing, you know, tons of stuff that, you know, is good, good storytelling, you know, and and 
it's not preachy. Mm-hmm. Fast forward. Fast forward. And... <laughs> to White Power Comics. <laughs> right. And there he is, being preachy. So, Fuck you know, it's, it's, it's not like, like um, either left or, uh, left or right thing. No. Or agreeing or not agreeing thing. It's like, can you just tell your story without sounding like you're standing on a soapbox wagging your finger at people? Right. And, and uh, you know, Kurtz doesn't do that. No. And that's that's much to the benefit of, of the book. And, you know, there's a lot of writers who don't. I mean, this is not like a the soapbox is not a common thing. But, yeah. It's 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 a it's a hallmark of good craftsmanship when you can take a uh, moral stance or, or speak uh, in a morality tale sort of way until you know without getting on your soapbox or a character right. even getting on a soapbox. Well, I, th- I think she deserves a lot of credit for it because the, she does touch upon some subjects that are a little um like sore spots Mm -hmm. especially in in this day and age you know she touches upon slavery Mm -hmm. um especially racism racism uh you know rape Mm -hmm. stuff like that um and she doesn't come across sounding like you know like she's, she's like telling you what to do right so you know, and, and that's that is the hallmark of a good writer because th- it's not like she's like um, talking about fighting crime, right? <laughs> you know, or or you know, preventing bank robberies mm-hmm. or stuff like that. She's talking about like stuff that are you know in the current conversation, national conversation, stuff that are like super sore points, mm-hmm. stuff that like ends friendships <laughs> and starts arguments. Right, shoot, uh, breaks up familial bonds. You know, yeah, it's 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 Babylon Guanfall. So you know, it, it's you gotta you gotta give the writer who can do that. You gotta give her credit, so mm-hmm. she gets it. Yeah, but you know, on the other hand, you know, we are coming at it as you know from our own personal perspective of being. You know, we know who's on the right side of the argument because because it's know. our side of the argument. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the side we agree with, certainly. That's true. And you know, <laughs> and it is based in treating people like fucking people, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, and I think that and, that argument but, was actually made in one well, of the stories. It is a lot of these stories actually come. That's like the motivation of the action. And that's what pushes the action forward is somebody wanting to be treated like a fucking person. Right. Exactly. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was Sisters of the Wild Sage, a collection of Weird West Tales by Nicole Givens Kurtz. Fantastic yeah, author. Pick it up. Pick it up. Once again, do not sleep on this. If you're sleeping on it, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good enough threat, you know, that's creative. Um, 
I'm just gonna say you just the threat is you're losing out. You yeah. are yeah. You're you'll, like cutting off part of you know your uh, of the literary the current literary scene. That's right. You're just you like will, cutting off part of it. You will ha- you will spend the rest of your days with a hole in your in your innards because you did not read this book. And it's a <laughs> yes. it's a Sisters of the Wild Sage shaped hole that you will have if you do not. It is, and and the shape of the hole is about 170 pages on an iPad. There you go. So it's not, yeah, it's not all that long either. And and you know the cool thing about I'm going to keep on going on until you stop me. The cool thing about these anthologies is you don't have to read them back to back to back in a week. You know, you could take your time and let it simmer. Read a story, go about your business, read another story. Read them in any order. Yeah, so you you do have luxury. That's right. So, yeah, go out and get this. Link will be in the description of this episode. Yep. And until next time. Keep 30. Keep 30 luck points. (laughs)